Thank you, Paul. Just before I uh, got up to preach there, the young rogue that is Alid presented me with this, which he bought from the... You have a bookstall here, didn't you? A second-hand bookstall. The King's Church bookstall. And it happens to be my first Bible (laughs) that my parents donated. Like giving away the family inheritance. It's got my name written in the front there. And uh, he presented this to me. So thank you, Alice. That's very sweet of you. Put it back in the... (laughs) Somebody else will buy it. (laughs) No, thank you, Alice. I appreciate that. Um, it's so great to be back here in uh, Hastings looking at old friends and new friends. It's wonderful to see what God is doing internationally from this base, isn't it? I mean, I'm just constantly amazed. It's fantastic to see what God's doing with Nigel in Berlin and obviously we have Simon and Alison back with us today in Beryl from uh, the east coast of uh, America. Interesting enough, I'll be with them in a couple of weeks' time speaking at their Celebration Northeast. So, you might recognise some of this material <laughs> in two weeks' time. So don't say I've heard it before, because I'm kind of trialling it. <laughs> so uh, there was a rare moment of honesty from Dave Devonish at the Comp- Brighton Conference this year when he said, I'll let you into a secret. Travelling ministries never preach original material. <laughs> They've always preached it somewhere before, and then they trial it, and then... Uh, They kind of collect their best ones. But uh, it's just great to see what God is doing here in Hastings. The number of people he's gathering. It's wonderful to see the impact that you're having on the nation and the nations. I mean, just to highlight for you that now half of the UK, so that's Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, the north part of Wales, the north part of the Midlands, Cumbria, North East, North West, all of Yorkshire, and Lancashire. I know that's a part that you're generally not interested in, but all of that is being influenced from this church. And I think it's amazing. Now, obviously, that's just the UK, and then we could talk about the influence we've had in Dubai, we could talk about the influence we're having in Germany, we could talk about the influence we're having in Canada, we could talk about the influence we're having in Australia... We could talk about the influence that we're having in China. We could talk about... I mean, this church is amazing. What God has done here is truly extraordinary. And it's only the start. It's only the very beginning of what God wants to do. I just want to affirm uh, that word that came about parcels and God sending you and really making sure that you are influential locally, nationally and internationally. It's just wonderful, isn't it, what God has done. If you've got a Bible, please could you turn to the book of Genesis. I just want to highlight one verse this morning. Chapter 49. And I just want to highlight one verse to you. Genesis 49 and verse 22. It's not usually usual that I speak from one verse from the Bible, uh, but I just feel this verse has come alive to me this last year, and God's been speaking to me so much from it. And it says this, it's uh, Genesis 49, verse 22. And the context, just to let you know the context, is Jacob prophesying over each of his sons, and in true Jacob fashion, 
he saves the best prophecy for Joseph and this is Joseph's prophecy from Jacob, his father. And it's this. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Now, way, way back, many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began, Jacob lived in the land of Canaan, a fine example of a family man. Now, that's about the point that Andrew Lloyd Webber loses the plot because Jacob wasn't exactly a fine example of a family man. He shows favouritism to his sons, particularly to Joseph and Benjamin, and they get into all sorts of trouble because of the favouritism that Jacob shows to them. And even in this prophecy, we're seeing something of the favouritism of Jacob because he can't help but save the best for Jacob. He can't help but give himself to giving this amazing prophecy to Joseph. Now, interesting enough, it it has particular poignancy for me. Uh, My parents probably won't remember this, but when I was a 16-year-old lad moving from the Methodist church locally, uh, moving to this weird basement church led by Don Smith and John Groves that was called Hastings Christian Fellowship before it was named King's Church later. And just to see what was happening here, to me it was remarkable. I'd never seen a church so large. I'd never seen 30 people who loved Jesus all in one place. Uh, And it was remarkable. But they gave me this prophecy. They sat me down and I can remember them saying, I really feel this is for you. Uh, Joseph is a fruitful vine planted near a stream, near a spring, whose branches will go over a wall. And I just want to unpack that for us this morning and then get into some ministry uh, for God applying this into our lives. So let's very, very quickly go through the first part of it. I just want to get to the last part of it about our branches climbing over the wall. It says, Joseph was a fruitful vine. Now vines, I don't know for you, but vines aren't that common for us in this country, although here in the south, East of England, we have some of the best vineyards and uh, you have some great vineyards out at Lamberhurst and Settlescombe and uh, some great English wine that is uh, made from those. But they're not really that common in our culture and in our context. But in Jerusalem and in Israel in the first century there where Jesus was living and ministering, vines were very popular. Jesus tells a whole parable, if you like, or a whole teaching about the vine and explains a whole lot. In fact, that chapter in John 15 is almost like a commentary on this verse here. And it was very popular. Vines were very popular. Every garden you would go to, there'd be a vine. Every backyard, every street, every common piece of land, there would be vines right across the area. And vines were also like a national symbol of the nation. So in Scotland we have the thistle, in Yorkshire we might have the rose, Uh, in, I don't know what we have, England I guess is kind of the rose as well, but Yorkshire's kind of grabbed that quite strongly. Uh, What do we have in Wales? A leek. (laughs) Are there any Welsh here? We're particularly, yeah, well that's exactly right. I said that in Wales recently and they couldn't decide whether it was a leek or a daffodil. I said, well if you can't decide, how am I supposed to decide? We've got a particular passion to see churches planted in Wales, actually. It's, uh, God has done some remarkable things in Wales over the years and I believe, again, he wants to restore his glory to the mountains and hills and valleys and cities of Wales. But anyway, that's a side issue. 
But it was the national symbol of Israel. The vine was the national symbol. A bunch of grapes would be seen on the temple gates. A bunch of grapes would be seen on the coinage of the day. It was the national symbol. It was a common agricultural plant. But also it was one of God's favourite pictures for his people. God said to them as his people, he said to Israel, he said to them uh, in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 21, I've planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? And God said, and you can see this in many passages and many chapters in the Bible throughout the Old Testament, look, I planted you, you're the choosing of the Lord. You're not your own choice, I've chosen you, I've got hold of you. I planted you just like a vine and I've lovingly, tenderly cared for you, looked after you, why have you turned against me? And he says, then actually I'm going to cut you back, I'm going to trim you back, I'm going to prune you right back because of your lack of fruitfulness because of your disrespect of my name, because you are not being the light and the glory of God in the nations, I'm going to cut you right back. But, and this prophetic echo rings right throughout the Old Testament, but from the same stump, but from this root of faith, but from this original vine, is going to come another shoot. It's going to come another spring. It's going to come another one who will bring glory to me. So you get these amazing verses in Isaiah 11, 1 to 3. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse is David's father. It's talking about Israel. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And we know, don't we, as those who love Jesus, as those who follow him, that one of the wonderful titles of Jesus that he gives himself, he says, I am the true vine. You read that in John chapter 15. It's a remarkable commentary on these, uh, on these verses here. I am the true vine. I am the one who's come now. I am the fulfilment of all these promises. I am the one who's rooted back into Israel. I am the one who's of the faith of Abraham. I am the one of Joseph and Isaac and Jacob. And I, I am the one. I'm rooted back in here and I've come to bear fruit. Jesus is the ultimate fulfilment of this promise, this prophecy to Joseph. Joseph will be a fruitful vine. It really is speaking of Joseph's descendant, Jesus, who is the fruitful vine. And guess what? You're included in. Because the Bible says this, and Jesus says it so clearly in that chapter in John 15, I am the vine, but you are the branches. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So when Jacob, in all his manipulation, and all his cantankerousness, and all his supplanting and twisting, as he's prophesying this, actually he's prophesying not just about his son, Joseph, he's prophesying about the Son of God, who is Jesus, 
and he's prophesying about you because you are in Christ. It's the most amazing apostolic revelation of the New Testament that we are not just Christ followers, but we're in Christ. We're joined to Christ. We're actually part of the body of Christ. We're part of the vine now. We've actually been grafted in and now are part of the same substance as Jesus. We're in him. And this promise of fruitfulness is a promise for you and it's a promise specifically, I believe, this morning from the Spirit for you here in Hastings. Hastings Church, King's Church Hastings, because it's in Christ, is a fruitful vine. You are called to fruitfulness. You are called. Now, I know you go through seasons. We all do. I know you go through times when it appears that you're less fruitful. That's okay. God's written that into nature. It's called winter, Nigel, isn't it? And it's not very fruitful. But after the winter comes the spring and the summer and the autumn fruitfulness. God has promised and is underlining once again for you here this morning, this church is called to fruitfulness. Now it says here, and we haven't got time to unpack this this morning, that it talks here about the fruitful vine near a spring. And whenever the Bible talks about a spring... And it has this sense of bubbling, it has this sense of momentum, it has this sense of movement of water. It's almost invariably talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's so good to see a church here that's rooted not just into good doctrine and understanding of truth, but rooted into the Holy Spirit and his application of that doctrine and his application of that truth. Because we can get just a little dry sometimes as Christians, just understanding truth. We need truth made alive by the Spirit. We need truth that comes powerfully to us by the Spirit. And this is a church that's rooted into the Spirit. It's a church that knows how to drink of the Spirit. I think I preached from this platform two years ago. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. See, it's in Christ we drink. It's because we're rooted into the vine, because we're rooted into Jesus, the sap of Christ, who is the Spirit, can rise up within us and should rise up within us. And Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and from within you, not from within Paul Mann alone, or from within Matt Beanie alone, or Santano alone. I have no idea what your surname is, Santano. Right. I haven't even got your first name wrong, haven't I? (laughs) I once heard a prophecy, and it was this. The Lord says, even though I've temporarily forgotten your name. <laughs> it's a real prophecy. And I think what they meant to say is, I've forgotten your name, but the Lord hasn't. But anyway, Santino. What's your surname? Oh, well, that's a good name. <laughs> I can't even say that. It's not about the elders being fruitful, although God wants them to be fruitful. It's about us as a body, as a community, being fruitful because we all draw up one and the same spirit. We all drink from Christ and from, it says, from our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. God is promising you here fruitfulness because you're joined to Christ, because you're receivers of the Spirit and because you're dispensers of the Spirit wherever he calls you to be. But let's get on to the main thing I want to speak about this morning. It says here, whose branches climb over a wall. And I felt God, as I've been praying this week and last week for you, God particularly highlighted that phrase for me, whose branches climb over a wall. 
And uh, Joseph just refused to be trapped by walls. Every one of us has walls in our lives. Every one of us has things that trap us in, that slow us down, that seem to restrict and seem to confine us. Now, I find it very fascinating that I heard last night from my father and this morning from Paul that you're building a wall (laughs) across here. And please don't think this is some uh, prophetic saying, you know, you shouldn't build a wall, but whatever. But I actually believe, I I was worshipping the Lord this morning as I was hearing this, God's promise to you, Paul, is fruitfulness over the wall. So the wall isn't supposed to just confine you and just tie you in, but actually there's going to be fruitfulness over the wall. As you build this wall, even here in Hastings, and there's going to be fruitfulness over it. Actually, not fruitfulness in it, but fruitfulness over it. And walls come into our lives. They restrict, they confine, they press us in, but actually God's promise to you is this. Because you're in Christ, because you are a fruitful vine, because you are ones who draw from the spring, the living spirit, you are promised fruitfulness. It's your inheritance and it's going to be over the wall. I mean, Joseph, if anyone shouldn't have fruit in his life, it's Joseph. I mean, he was misunderstood by his entire family, jealousy from his brothers, sold into slavery. He was betrayed first by his brothers, then by his employer's wife. How about you? Have you been let down? Have you been misunderstood by your brothers and sisters? Have you been let down? Have people spoken against you? Has even your employer, even those in authority, seemed to confine you? Your employer, perhaps parents, perhaps relatives, perhaps a husband to a wife, perhaps an elder, perhaps a leader. Have you felt, I'm just being restricted. I'm just being pushed in. Disadvantaged he was. Sounds a bit Star Wars, doesn't it? Disadvantaged he was. (laughs) He was disadvantaged. I feel very at home in Hastings, you can tell that. I know I look more like Yoda (laughs) these days. (laughs) Alan Gutzel met me at the door and he says, haven't you filled out across the shoulder? I said, Alan, it's not the shoulders that have filled out. (laughs) Listen, how about disadvantaged? You know, he was an adolescent, too young. At some points in his life, he was a prisoner, a slave. He was part of a hated gypsy nomad race. How about you? Do you feel too young sometimes? Do you feel I'm just enslaved? I'm just a prisoner here. Or do you know what? I'm even part of a hated race. I'm a gypsy nomad. I don't even feel nationally I'm that liked. Well, how about forgotten? He's just locked away for years, isn't he, Joseph? Overlooked by his brothers. Overlooked in prison. Even when there's a glimmer of hope, I love reading the story of Joseph and please, we we haven't had time to read it today but if you read it, even when there's a glimmer of hope even when the butler and baker have the dream and you know the butler has the good dream and the baker has the bad dream and Joseph amazingly interprets and the butler once again comes to a position of authority in front of Pharaoh you'd think now he would remember but he forgets in the sovereignty of God and you think, Joseph, why don't you get bitter here, Joseph, why do you not 
start to distrust God. He refused to be trapped by his circumstances. Now, I'll just give you three things that I believe sustained Joseph. Number one, I believe Joseph was confident in God's sovereignty. And as a people of God, we must be confident in God's sovereignty. We must know that God is good and God is in charge. How do I know that Joseph... How, do I, you can, you can, how can I draw that from the Bible? Well, it says in the next chapter, interestingly enough, in Genesis chapter 50 when his brothers come to him, and they're so sneaky, the brothers, they're naughty, they come and they say, our father's died, oh, and by the way, his dying wish, which is not true, his dying wish, Joseph, is that you forgive us. And Joseph is really hurt by this, actually, because he had already forgiven them. In fact, he'd never taken offence in the first place, which is a remarkable thing from the life of Joseph. And he said this, and I think it's just a remarkable scripture in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Now, how about you with these pressures, these walls, these things that are pressed into you? There is one who means to harm you. Perhaps it was a person. Almost certainly it was a demonic force because we believe that just as there is a real God... There's also a real enemy and has real plans to pull you down. There's a plan against you, folks. There's a plan against this church. There's a plan against you individually. He said, Joseph said, you meant it for evil. You meant it for bad. But God meant it for good. And David equally was so confident in God's sovereignty. David writes this in the Psalms. Psalm 31, verse 15. My times are in your hands, O Lord. That's even when he's being persecuted by Saul. Daniel writes this in Daniel 4.35. The Most High does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and with the peoples of the earth. No one can hold him back or hold his hand back or say to him, what have you done? Are you saying that to God? What have you done? What have you done with my life? I feel restricted. I feel tied in. Let me tell you this morning, here, God is sovereign. God really is working his hand of love and hand of mercy and hand of grace in your life through difficult circumstances. He's doing it. Now, sometimes we don't understand the schemes of the evil one enough and we get ourselves into all lots of trouble. But quite often I find Christians give too much glory to the devil. They give too much attention to the evil one and to the brothers and not enough attention to the sovereignty of God. Let me give you another couple of scriptures. Ecclesiastes 7.14 When times are good, be happy. Kind of sounds like a song, doesn't it? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. The sovereignty of God. Isaiah 45, verse 7. This is read out at the conference this week. I form the light and I create the darkness. I bring prosperity and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, what I want to say to you is this. Don't be surprised if you encounter the wall because God has put the wall there. John 15 uses a slightly different analogy. It uses the analogy of pruning. He says, what does God do, what does God do when there's really good fruit? He prunes you back. So don't be surprised when the knife of the Father, it's not the knife of the devil, when the knife of the Father, because Jesus says, my Father is the gardener, My father is the pruner. Don't be surprised when the knife of the gardener 
of the loving Father comes to you. Now let me say this, this is not a blade of anger and this is not a wall of condemnation. This is actually the grace of God for you. I'll tell you why. Let's use this analogy of grapes and vines. If a vine does not encounter a wall, it doesn't grow up. Some of us need to grow up. And it's only when we encounter a wall do we grow up. If we grew along the ground, nice and warm and cosy and uneventful that might be, the vine, when it produces its grapes, they would rot on the ground. It's actually the wall that causes the vine to grow up. It's the wall that causes the vines, to, it causes it to support the beautiful fruitfulness. And God has designed difficulties and issues and restrictions and things that come into your life. He's allowed that to happen. Why? So that he might produce more fruitfulness in your life. We just need to know that and we need to have that underlined in our circumstances. I don't, I'm looking around to see a muscular person in this room. Who's, who's, a, who's a muscular person? Who's the most muscular person? Who? Ryden. Ryden, stand up, Ryden. It's nice to see you, Ryden. Now, you do, you do not get such a substantial frame by sitting at home, eating your chips on the sofa and just watching the telly, although I'm sure you do all those things. <laughs> but you, I guess, and it's not a word of knowledge, it's kind of a hope, that <laughs> you go down to the gym and that you kind of push some weights and that you work out. Is that true? Right, you can sit down. It's not a word of knowledge, so don't worry. <laughs> Is this, oh no, listen, it's as Ryden pushes against things as he, he does, oh, it's a nasty bit of iron. Oh, it's come to trouble me and I've got this difficult, no, he pushes against it. As he pushes against it, so muscle is produced in his life. Listen, as you push against some of these things, it's not sera sera. what will be will be, sort of Doris Day theology. It's not like, oh, well, I, I just... You know, I've got this wall, it's tough, it's the sovereignty of God. No, fight against it, push against it, climb against it, get over it, literally, get over it. And as you do that, as you push against, as you struggle and fight in that sense, actually God is producing strength in you. God is producing something wonderful in you and your fruit will, it will happen for you. Your branch will go over the wall. This will happen for you. Fruitfulness will come. Psalm 18, verse 29. With my God, I can scale a wall. It's not, wouldn't it be nice if I could jump over? No, with my God, I can do that. God empowers me. God gives me the energy to push against circumstances and push against difficulties. And it's in that that God is producing this wonderful fruit in our lives. My second point is this. Joseph did not give up in spiritual gifting. He didn't give up on it. He could have said, do you, remember, you imagine when the butler and the baker come to him in prison? We've had a dream last night. Dreams? Dreams? I tell you what, dreams are the thing that got me here in the first place. Let me give you a bit of advice from an old lag here in prison. Forget the dream, mate. He doesn't do that at all. 
He is very tender to them. He's very loving to them. He listens to their dreams. He believes that actually God has his hand on these situations, that God is working and working out all things according to his plan and his purpose. And he interprets the dream. Joseph doesn't give up on spiritual gifts. Joseph doesn't do that. And interestingly enough, it's that very thing that gets him remembered eventually by the butler. And then Pharaoh's assessment of Joseph is this. It's quite remarkable in Genesis 41, 38. Can we find anyone like this man, one on whom is the Spirit of God? This is a secular, unbelieving king who says, wow, can we find anyone like this on whom is the Spirit of God? Why? Because you've just interpreted my dream. You've just used spiritual gifts. And I want to plea again with you. I know I said this last year. But there's a huge battle at the moment about spiritual gifts, how relevant they are in the life of the church, in our meetings. And some would say that for unbelievers, we should dumb them down. Some would say, four weeks, five weeks ago, actually no, three, probably a couple of months ago, in Christ Central in Manchester, we saw our first one saved. How did he get saved? Because someone had a word of knowledge for him and he responded and was led to Christ. I think, actually, we don't need to dumb down on spiritual gifts. My appeal is we need to see more of them. My appeal is we're not seeing enough of them in church life. We're not seeing enough miraculous displays of God's power. There's a world out there that's waiting for a God who's real and a people who believe in a real God and and start to act supernaturally. They kind of expect it if there's a real God. It's just religion. Then they're nothing... But if it's reality, then actually we're going to see spiritual... But I want to say this to you. Actually, if you look in the Bible, in the New Testament, there is more evidence of spiritual gifts in life than there are in the meetings. And there's lots of evidence in meetings. As Peter and John went to pray, they met a lame man on the way. He asked for arms and held out his hands. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth... See? I thought I could remember it. <laughs> we used to learn that, learn that in Sunday school. In the name of Jesus, now rise up and walk. And they didn't say, we've got a healing meeting next week. He said, rise up and walk now. Jesus with the woman at the well. Spiritual gift, word of knowledge. Open the whole thing up. Joseph uses spiritual gifts in the family. A little unwisely, I might add. <laughs> but in the family... He uses them in the workplace, he uses them in the prison, and he uses them before kings. He's unashamed of spiritual gifts. He's unashamed of it. It's the very thing that gets him into trouble, but it's the very thing that brings him blessing. My appeal to you this morning, King's Church, Hastings, is do not lose your passion for spiritual gifts. And I believe God wants you to use that, not just in the meetings. This is how you learn, but actually in life. Actually in the grocery store. Actually in the school gate, actually in the office, actually in your community and in your neighbourhood. I believe God is going to keep moving on us supernaturally. I believe that God is going to raise us up. You've got these wonderful new community groups and God wants to penetrate community after community, yes with his love but yes with his power and yes with supernatural activity. Recently a friend of mine sent me this link and uh, it so blessed me to... We're going to play it in a moment, if that's okay with the gentleman at the back. Thank you. Uh, just a little interlude from my preaching here. This is a, a young man uh, from America. You'll have to forgive him 
from being from America as we do forgive all those who are in America. (laughs) You'll have to understand that he has quite a strong American accent and uh, you have to understand that he starts off, let me tell you what he starts off saying because you just need, as English people, need to just start to tune into his language. He says this, as a student, he says, I go for my fifth meal. I mean, I didn't even know there was a fourth meal, but I have been to America. (laughs) And uh, he says, I'm going for my fifth meal, and he's going to the grocery store, and suddenly in the grocery store, he has this word, and the whole thing starts to break out. It's about three or four minutes long, and it ends up with a remarkable display, which I think, I would argue with you, is very Christ-like. Thank you very much. Well, uh, one night when I uh, was living in Reading, I got off work, working at a restaurant, and like any other 23-year-old, I have a fifth meal and about 10.30 at night, and I uh, went over to a grocery store to go get some donuts. And I was walking in, um, I was passing by the cash register, and this lady was paying for her groceries, and I saw that she had hearing aids, and I thought, it's always a green light when you see crutches, people in wheelchairs, hearing aids. Just go up and ask if you pray for him. So I approached the lady, asked her, hey, can I pray for you really quick? And she's like, oh, that would be nice. And then she starts leaving. I'm like, no, 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 like right now, can I pray for you? And she's like, okay, why not? And I say, hey, why don't you just take out your hearing aids so we can see if God does anything. We'll know, we can see a difference right away. And so she takes out her hearing aids, we begin to pray for her. And the cash register girl, the cashier lady, she's watching the whole thing, you know, unfold. And uh, we begin to pray for her. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a couple steps back. You just repeat after me if you can hear me. And so, you know, she's, you know, facing the other direction, and I'm taking steps back, like, hello, my name's Chad, my favorite food's pizza, and donuts, and she's repeating this until I get about 25 feet away, and she realizes that she has full hearing. She actually has better hearing than the cashier has, and the cashier is, like, in her late, you know, teens, early 20s. And so she starts crying because her ears opened up. She was 90% deaf in one ear, 80% deaf in the other. And the cashier lady is crying as well. And suddenly, right when that happens, I just feel this wind on the back of my neck, and I get downloaded with all these words of knowledge of what God wants to do in the grocery store. And, you know, I didn't have this. I was just going in there hungry. I didn't have this before. And so I go to the cashier, and I say, this is totally God. This isn't me. I mean, God just totally, you know, opened this girl's ears. But God wants to do more in this grocery store. Is it all right if I get on the intercom and just share, you know, and and, uh, call out some words of knowledge? And she's all, yeah. So she shows me how to use it. I say, attention all shoppers. You know, God is in the building. And, uh, and I begin to just tell what God's doing. And I had a lady that got healed. She shared uh, what happened to her. And so I just started calling out words of knowledge, said, come to checkout, 10. Um, people started gathering around, about 20, 25 people. And it was amazing. And this one lady came with a motorized car and said, do you think God could really heal me? And I said, of course God can heal you. He's the healer. So I began to just just explain a little bit about the gospel, about healing and signs and wonders. And then I had the lady that just got healed from her uh, ears pray with me. And I said, this is, you know, Matthew 10, 7, and 8. 
know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the, the sick get healed, the dead get raised, freely received and I freely give. And it was her time to, to give away the kingdom when she just received it earlier. So we began to pray uh, together, and she, I asked the lady in the motorized cart, she uh, was getting prayer for her hip. She is going in for hip replacement surgery. And she moves her hip a little bit, and she goes, <gasps> and I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, is she in pain? And, I, and that's what I'm thinking in my head, and I asked her, what's going on? And she's like, that used to hurt before. And I said, okay, well, try to do something else. So she gets up. She begins to walk and then go into this little jog. She begins to scream out, Jesus has just healed me. Jesus just healed me. The whole place goes crazy. They all start, like, you know, hooting and hollering. I mean, this isn't like a church. This isn't checkout aisle 10. And this guy in the back starts pushing people. And I'm thinking this guy is coming to, like, beat me up. He has a problem with this. I don't know. So he, And he's shaking his, like, fist at me. And he gets up to me, and I'm, like, getting ready to defend myself. And he says, my, my wrist, I have carpal tunnel in my wrist. I've had it for two years. Will you please pray for me? And I said, of course. And then I said, you know, while I'm praying for you, why don't you just move it around just to see if something, you know, shifts or changes? He's moving around. He goes, oh, my gosh, they're on fire. They're on fire. Well, that's good. They're, you know, heat's a good thing. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, there's no more pain. He starts crying. And he begins to explain to me that he plays the piano, he teaches, and he performs, and that's how he makes his money. And he's been in total pain doing this. And now they don't hurt anymore. And he was coming into the grocery store tonight saying, wouldn't it be great if all the pain in my wrist left today? And so I decided, hey, you know, the, the kingdom just showed up. It would be a good idea to introduce the king. And so I just told everybody, you know, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for these people to get healed, but to have a personal relationship with, with you. And that you could uh, be best friends with the creator of the universe. And just gave a real simple gospel message. And I said, who wants that? Who wants to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And people's hands just came up. And I just led them to the Lord, prayed for them. And I walked out on cloud nine for getting my donuts. But it was a fun night. It's, it's just remarkable, isn't it? And he's just an ordinary guy. That could be you in Sainsbury's. That could, really, that could be you in Tesco's. That could be you. Because all he did was he said, I saw, I mean, I'm, it's amazing to me. He said, I saw somebody with hearing aids and thought, that's a green light for healing. I think that's a green light to shout louder. You know, it's not, I, I, it's just a whole different way of thinking. But we've got to change and transform our way of thinking. We must not be ashamed or afraid to use spiritual gifts. My third point and final point is this. Joseph transformed his world. My first point was Joseph was confident in God's sovereignty. My second point was Joseph did not lose hope in spiritual gifting. My third point is this, Joseph transformed his world. He didn't daydream about the future. He didn't just think, oh, God's giving me these prophecies. I'll just think about them. One day it'll happen. No, Joseph actually started to display grace Day by day by day. Jesus said this, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Lest we think it's all about spiritual gifts, and of course I want to passionately say I believe in spiritual gifts. I believe that that's going to be one of the great keys to open up a town like Hastings. But actually, the Bible says this, Let your good deeds be seen. Let your general goodness, let the life of Christ, the kindness the compassion and the mercy just be seen in your life. And that's what Joseph does time and time and time again. To be honest, he doesn't start out this way. It's not a glorious start for Joseph as he gathers his brothers together. 
and says, <clears throat> I had a dream last night. And uh, I, I wonder what it could mean because there were 11 sh- uh, sheaves of corn bowing down to my sheath of corn. There were 11. I don't know what that could mean, 11 brothers here today. Uh, I mean, you you need to seek Jehovah and uh, find out what that might mean, but uh, there were 11 (laughs) bowing down. And uh, and, and mum and and dad, come in, come in. I I know it's a bit of a family thing, this, but uh, I know you might feel but there's a bit of tension here, but I had another dream last night as well. And this this is even better. better. Forget the 11. This was 11 stars bowing down to one megastar. And even a sun, Dad, and a moon, Mum. Don't know what that could mean, but a big light, a lesser light, really important people, bowing down as well. You pray about it. You ask the Lord what that might mean, you all bowing down to me. Not great attitude. But you look at Joseph, how he grows and learns. You look at how when he's sold into slavery, rather than bitterness and unforgiveness, grace, how he rises to be in charge of Potiphar's whole house. That doesn't happen to hated races very often, to rise, to become in charge of the whole house. And then in prison, he rises to become the chief officer, prison officer. That's unusual as well. You don't normally give the keys to a prisoner. But because of his grace, because of his kindness, because of his love, because of his mercy, because he lets his light shine before men, he gets grace and doors open for him and in the end literally doors open for him. I'm amazed at how he opens it up with the butler and the baker. He says this, he says, why are you looking so sad today? They're in prison, Joseph. It's not a nice place to be. That's why they're sad. But he says, why are you looking so sad today? He says, we've had dreams. We don't know what to do with them. Now, how did Joseph, how did the spiritual gift first happen? He was kind and merciful. He noticed that a fellow prisoner had their head down. In prison, that's very hard to detect a difference in yesterday today. Just that guy, Chad, on the video, just noticed a guy with hearing aids. I'd have walked past. He noticed someone, a girl with hearing aids, just noticed it. And he stepped out and stretched out and met. Actually, God wants us to look for the little things in life. It's often little things that bring big transformation. Jesus said this, you won't have authority in big places like Joseph did before the Prime Minister unless you actually take care of the little things. He said this in Matthew 25, verse 23. Well done, you've been faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things. I heard a story recently of a young lady called Laura and it was her first teaching job and uh, she just walked into the staff room and she noticed day after day after day in the staff room there was just a bad attitude. And uh, she thinks as a Christian, how can I change this attitude? And what she notices is one thing. She notices that the bad attitude starts first thing in the morning when people open the fridge and there's no milk or the milk that they put there yesterday, somebody else has taken. And so the day starts off bad. The day starts, where, I, I, who's had the milk? Don't we give milk money? Who, who's had the milk? And it's just the whole attitude is bad. So what she did was this. One little simple thing. Every day, she went to Asda. She bought the biggest carton of milk she could find. 
She put it in the fridge with a big sticker on saying, free milk, help yourself. The staff room attitude changed. Listen, it just took one girl to do one simple thing. Let your light shine before men. Don't join in with it. Be different. We're in Christ. We're in the vine. We're called to fruitfulness. And we're called to display that with love and grace and mercy. That's who we are, folks. We're the light of Hastings. Really, we are. With other fellow Christians who love Jesus. We are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. Now, ultimately, Joseph gets to this amazing position of display of authority. He becomes the Effectively, the Prime Minister, I guess, under Pharaoh's governance. And I believe God has called this church to rule in Hastings. I believe God has called this church to positions of prominence for cultural transformation. I believe that God has called men and women here to be counsellors, to be governors, to be bank managers to be leading estate agents, to be those in the legal system, those in healthcare, those in police, in education, to be those who bring cultural transformation. And I believe this is a Joseph generation. I believe that you are a Joseph people. You are a people whose fruit is going to go over walls. It's going to go over boundaries. <laughs> it's going to go over walls that are man-made because God is calling you to have fruit in this city. He's calling many of you to step up in prominence. He's calling people here to lead mums and toddlers clubs. He's calling people here to lead pub quizzes. He's calling people here to lead football teams. can't believe I said that. (laughs) He's leading people here to have cultural influence. He's leading people here to be artists. He's calling people here to be musicians, not just on this stage, although this stage is wonderful, but in the pubs and the clubs of Hastings. He's calling you to have fruit over your wall. He's calling you to have cultural influence. Let me just remind you as I finish, God is sovereign. He's put barriers in your life that you might grow over them, that you might display fruit on them that the wall might be a beautiful display of fruitfulness on your barren wall. It's this beautiful fruiting that's happening. Number two, don't give up on spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are going to be the very key to open up this town. Healings and miracles. When that started to be reported on the front page of the Hastings and St. Leonard's Observer, it's going to happen. But let your light shine before men. Don't forget good deeds. Don't forget kindness and love. Don't forget the mercy and grace of God. And as you do that, and as you let your light shine, as you're kind and buy a pint of milk or a six pint of milk in the fridge, as you commit your life to acts of kindness and mercy, I believe God is going to raise you up like Joseph to be a prominent people in this town. That this town will once again reverberate with the gospel because God's people are standing up. Now, I want us to pray for, as we end, uh, Paul very graciously has allowed the children's work to end at 12. It's quarter to 12 by that big clock there, which I'm going from. We've got 15 minutes to respond. 
And I want to respond by praying for two sets of people today. The first set of people is this. You're people who just know you've hit a wall. You just know you've hit difficulties. You just know it's not your fault. It wasn't Joseph's fault. It was actually the hand of God. It was God's fault. So this is not, oh, you poor people. What have you... I was at a conference recently and somebody said, if you're feeling weary and down, would you like to stand up? And then the leader said, now, I want you to confess your secret sin in your life. And I turned to my colleague and said, glad I didn't stand. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to humiliate you. We're not going to do that to you. If you just feel, I'm encountering a wall, I've encountered a restriction, I'm just boxed in. It might be a health issue, it might be a relational issue, it might be a financial issue, it might be a work issue, it just might be life and God's hands all over it. We want to pray for you and we want to pray that in that situation, in that very situation, life would come. If that's you, in a moment, I'd like you to come over to this side, to uh, your right, my left, and we're going to pray for you. But there's also some other folks here this morning who you just know that you're called to cultural transformation. You're not just called to build a great church. You're called to be a great citizen in this town, to be a great artist in this town, to be a great business person in this town, to work for a school or a college or healthcare. Or You just know that God wants to use you for cultural transformation in this. You know you're a Joseph in your profession. You know you're a Joseph in your sphere of influence. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not just saying it's the top, it's the prime minister or something. It could actually be a playgroup or a sports group or a pub. But you just know in your sphere of influence, in your area, you're called to make a difference. And we want to pray and lay hands on you and pray God's blessing and pray that your light would shine, that the light of Christ really would shine within you. So I wonder if the band could come up and I'm just going to pray. And uh, as we do this, we're not going to... It's not mood music. The lights aren't going to dim. I wish there was air conditioning, but (laughs) the lights aren't going to dim... But we just want to pray for one another. Now, let me just say one last thing. If you're not a Christian yet here this morning, why not? Don't you see that God's been leading you to this very point in time? Can't you look back over your life and say, just like Joseph, all these weird things have happened to me to get me here. That friend, that relationship, that book I read, that TV program I saw, those thoughts that keep going through my head at night, they have come by God's hand, to lead you to this point that you might have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please, you can go to either side if you like and any one of the ministry team will introduce you to Jesus this morning and introduce you so that you can be part of this vine, part of this, being in Christ, knowing your personal connectivity to Jesus and we'd be delighted to introduce him to you. So why don't we all just stand... And while we're singing this next song, I'm just going to pray and if you could respond. Don't forget, those who feel constricted, the walls come upon you on this side. Those who feel cultural influence and feel God's called you to be a Joseph on that side. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for the wonderful foundation that's so solid here in King's Church Hastings. I thank you, Lord, that you've called this church to be the light of Hastings. You've called this church that's in Christ, that's rooted by a stream and a spring which is the Spirit, 
You've called this church to have fruitfulness over the wall. And I'm asking you now, Lord, to rise for faith to come to us. I'm asking you, Lord, for fruitfulness from the Spirit to come, that we might penetrate community after community after community, that we might be those who bear fruit for you. We remind ourselves, Lord, it's not for us. This is fruit for you and fruit for our town, that our town might see and know that Jesus is alive. Come on us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this song, please let's begin to respond to this word and let's get prayed for. Ministry team, please come. That's wonderful. Thank you.